Trillo Page and Selmo, and this is Devil Horns. Devil Horns! Welcome to Devil Horns. We are here again this week, and it's really exciting. This week, it's actually really unfortunate because New Jersey Nick could not join us. Um, you know, we're podcasters, and life gets in the way of things, and we just got to sort of prioritize and schedule our time, and uh, from time to time, you know, various people might not be able to make the show. That's the case with Nick. He is certainly missed, but Mike Zombie, we're going to rock it tonight, man. We are, and well, let me say, Nick... Um, there's no shame in a mandatory court appearance. We support you and we love you. Yes. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's just busy doing stuff, folks. He's good. He's Nick's in the good. middle of actually a really complex move right now. Yeah. And um, I know how that is. I've done that a lot of times. So. That's never fun. I don't no. care how good it goes. It's still awful. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, actually coming into the show, I have no idea what we're talking about tonight. And uh, so you have... Uh, something to present, to put on the table for us to speak about on this great episode. So, um, man, what do you got for us? Okay. Now, I thought about this today, and I've had a it's a, a, a song especially that's been stuck in my craw for the last couple of weeks, and I've loved it since I was probably 13, maybe 14. And I thought to myself, and folks, uh, Corey really doesn't know what this topic of today's show is. I mean, I just, I sent him a, a message like a little while ago. Want to do a show? He's like, yep, don't tell me the topic. All right. And he's that good. He's going to roll with it. I thought to myself at work, man, this song might be the heaviest song I've ever heard. And it still stands up today. It's probably the heaviest song I've ever heard. Now, not necessarily the fastest, the deepest, um, or whatever, the most complex, not by any means, but just raw power. It's the heaviest song I've ever heard. So wow. I thought, why not discuss what's the heaviest heavy metal song you've ever heard? Oh, man. And we could break this down by type as well. I mean, we could yeah. even go the heaviest thrash, the heavy, you know, we could move this around a bit. Oh, yeah. Um... Should I go first while you think? Oh no! Actually, I mean, there, totally there, spot no, here. there are two that came to mind right away that uh, nice. I've said are, the, are pretty much the heaviest songs that I've heard of all time. Um, number one, I have to give to uh, Metallica, uh, "The Thing That Should Not Be." Mm -hmm. To mm -hmm. me, that's the heaviest. I mean, just the heaviest riff. It's slow. It's grinding. I mean, it just gets in there. It is so so thick and awesome. Um, you know, few bands. I think can do this. You know, a lot of bands try to, uh, they try to do a lot of palm muting and a lot of things with speed and, and a lot of overdubbing and things like that. But sure. man, it, it's really hard to match great songwriting and great riffage that uh, Metallica could do, especially during Master of Puppets. So uh, I, I think my number one heaviest song of all time is the thing that should not be. And let me, let me uh, back this up. I, I believe that uh, Les Claypool believes uh, the same as I do, because uh, Primus covered The Thing That Should Not Be on uh, one of their EPs. Um, what was it? Uh, Rhinoplasty, uh, I think. Okay, yeah. yeah. And also, they, they still apparently occasionally still do it live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, and uh, it is on YouTube. Yeah, no, absolutely. What a great 
album that was. We've already covered that, but what mm. a great heavy song. But I think the key to this being a heavy song, it's got to be honest. It's the heaviest song. It's also got to be amazing and ass-kicking live. I think that's Ooh. really important because you can't because you could fake anything or build anything in a studio, as we've learned. But it's got to be raw. It's got to be amazing. It's got to be just all guts. And the thing that should not be definitely in that category. Exactly. Exactly. And the only other one I can think of, um, and this is stretching it a little bit because this sort of uh, puts it into the realm of uh, 90s sort of grunge. But man, I just really, really love the riff to Outshined and Soundgarden. Oh. Um, I think that is just so heavy. And again, it's not as produced as a lot of metal and everything, but man, that riff that they have, dun 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 I mean, that to me, it's just so heavy, and it just, there is something yeah. about that riff, the way it's attacked, the way that Cornell and, and, and Kim Thale yeah. just Kim, Kim Thale, totally oh. underrated, totally yes. underrated. Yes, Um and also one of the creepier looking uh, men of that generation uh, exactly. as far as being behind the guitar. Exactly. Uh, but uh, some guitar geniuses there that uh, Oh, absolutely. And that's uh, that, I think that's my favorite Soundgarden riff and again what I would put up there. I think I you know, it's almost number two. I mean, there's so many heavy riffs out there and so many things that you just hear and instantly just start you raise the horns, man, you just start headbanging too like you just can't help it. But uh Man, those are two out, great choices. Outshined yeah. is just one man that just has stuck with me through the years that I just love and I can't get enough of. And uh, so that's my two. I, I assume that it's not what you had in mind for tonight. Well, no, because I mean, no, and, and it is. That is exactly what I had in mind. I wanted to know what your heaviest song was. And I and I will say for both of those songs. To me, especially, like we're we're both more into music than, than we are into words, and I think it all it all comes back to tone. And both of those songs have amazing tone. Um, more palm muting in the thing it should not be, but let's not again count out Kim Thale. Just amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a great song, uh, but two great songs actually. One of which I, I love very much. Uh, for me. I was thinking of the all-time heaviest song that still stands with me today. And yeah, don't get me wrong. You can easily find examples of songs that are faster, um, you know, more jackhammering. But I'm talking about raw power. And for me, you don't have to go any further than S.O.D.'s Sergeant D and the S.O.D. Oh, wow. Now, not, not the intro March of the S.O.D., which we remember from... Uh, headbangers ball but the second half of that song where it's just scott ian dan lilker billy milano who i hate to even mention he's such a douche but uh and charlie bonani just making music that no one had heard up until now yes and to think this was wow. done that was this album was made as a bullshit side project in like three days with extra time they had anthrax had just done um Oh, like spreading goodness. the disease or something. Yeah, it was probably spreading the disease, and they were goofing off and went into the studio and recorded, which to me still probably one of the heaviest albums of all time. It mm. was the first crossover thrash album of it that it had ever been done. And I think, and this came out, I, God, I'm going to say a year after Master of Puppets, I think. 
This was all that same time frame. Oh, wow. So if that was, I was wrong with spreading the disease because spreading the disease was oh, like 84, something like that. So I, I know. Um, I'm probably totally wrong, Corey. Dude, State Hold of on. Euphoria was like 88, I think. So yeah. Master of Puppets would have been, what, 86? And... Okay. okay. All, right. all right. I'm looking at it here. Speak English or Die was released in 1985. Okay. So maybe right. it was in. Yeah. All right. So it's. We're close. It's close. It's close. But just it, it, how funny this little side project and you and I oh. both love Anthrax. Yes. And they have Anthrax has never made anything nearly as heavy. No. As SOD. No. And and honestly, it just cracks me up that it's, it was just a side project that they never really flushed out. Yeah, they made a couple of albums later on for cash. Uh, and and I'm seeing Anthrax is still doing some of this stuff live, but uh, <laughs> but for its time. Was blowing people away. I'm going to say this was the heaviest album of, uh, well, 85 for sure, but I'm going to say even rivaled a lot of the heaviest stuff of the 80s. And I'm, I'm including Metallica, Testament, all kinds of bands. This album, though messy and sloppy in a lot of spots, just was out of the park heavy crazy no one had heard it before that's so awesome and the messy and sloppy is great dude that's what i want you know <laughs> because it, it's so honest it's like i just went into the studio and this is what i laid down and i didn't try to to uh polish it over with a lot of you know fancy tricks and production and stuff and try to make it seem like i was doing everything exactly perfectly because sure. nobody plays like that nobody no and <laughs> And just put something out and, and, and just thank you for bringing up SOD, man, because that is that's a band. And, you know, I've, I've brought them up before just sort of randomly here and there. But, man, I, I think I've underplayed their significance and influence in metal, man, because they have been amazing. And now I got to go back and listen to this. You know how, how long that's been since I've heard this song? Probably not. It's, it, no, but, check out the whole uh, album. It's great. Well, is uh, this um, looking to Scott Ian because he's yes. sort of the common denominator here, uh, you know, between you know him and Anthrax, of course, with uh, you know Benante and everything. Sure. But um, is this Scott Ian's heaviest performance? You know, a you know, either live, recorded, studio, whatever. Oh, undoubtedly. And this was, I, I don't know if he was mad about something. I, they, I, I'm not exaggerating, folks. This was uh, over twenty songs. So, granted, some of which are under a minute, of but course. that's, you know, yeah. but this was done in three days and just, <laughs> I mean, and literally just blew everything out of the fucking water for years to come. And, and, and they did no follow up. I, I, I think reading they they did like a, like a five show tour and then they all high fived and went back to their respective bands and went on to have successful careers. Minus Billy Milano. Um <laughs> I mean, Scott was an anthrax. Dan Lilker was a nuclear assault. Uh, Charlie, of course, was an anthrax. And Billy Milano, well, I don't know what he was doing, but he ended up making MOD, which was kind of an embarrassing. Wasn't yeah. uh, Napalm Death part of that equation? I thought uh, somebody from Napalm Death was in SOD, too, but I could be. I don't I don't I could think be so. wrong, and I'm probably wrong, actually. Uh, no, I don't, nah. don't think so. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. Disregard um, that. Yeah, um, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what, man. Scott Ian, he is on uh, my top five list of uh, uh, rhythm guitarists of all time. Um, oh, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 
And uh, he is just so heavy. The way again, it's in the attack. It's how he attacks it. You know, I was talking about you know, uh, you know how uh, Kim Thale attacks the guitar. Sure. And uh, I think uh, earlier tonight, and again, when you hear this, this is uh, going to be sort of dated, uh, maybe by a few days or some weeks or something. But uh, tonight, I just posted on Facebook, sort of little tribute post to Dimebag Daryl, and nice. um, because tomorrow is his birthday, and. Mm. Um, you know, I I just I so miss the guy because he he just may be my favorite metal guitarist of all time, and um, but I've been learning a lot about him and how he plays the guitar because I'm a musician as well and I I'm mainly a bassist but I also play guitar and I'm just intrigued by how he approached the guitar and how he played it. It's just amazing. Yeah. And uh, he said so much of how you play it. Too many guitarists concentrate on their left hand if you're a right-handed uh, sort of, uh, you know, normal person. Exactly. <laughs> if you're not weird and left-handed. But uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, most people out there, they're right-handed, so you pick with your right hand and you sort of fret with your left hand. And he said too many guitarists uh, concentrate on their left hand and scales and speed and everything on their left hand, and they disregard their attack on their right hand and how they attack the strings, how they do that. And so much of Dime's sound comes from, no, it's not how fast his left hand's going on the fretboard. It's how he attacks the strings yeah, with the pick. Yeah. And that is so much how, how Scott Ian does it, man. Scott Ian is, uh, you know, to me, he's just so much heavier. And it's not that he plays any, any complex riffs or, I mean, it, it's all in his attack. It is. I, it's, I mean, so many of the riffs, they're, they're just like, oh, yeah, they're really good. But it's just he plays so much differently than I would. I could play the same sequence of notes and not sound nearly as cool as Scott. But that's because, again, it's the attack. Well, see, you and know? the beauty is, is I watched last night on YouTube a probably a 25-minute video on Scott Ian, just how he plays guitar the amp he uses and how he sets it up and how he gets his tone. And he spent probably like 10 minutes explaining how he gained his sound. And if you watch his hands, his, his upstroke is just as devastating and heavy as his downstroke, uh. which is really important to playing music the way he does. And it, he absolutely, his left hand, yeah, he makes some heavy riffs, but all of that, all of that crunch, all of that grind comes from that right hand. And he, I mean, um, I'm going to later on, uh, I'll, I'll let you do it or whatever. Uh, I've got a video, uh, of the metal masters, um, gathering where a bunch of great musicians get together every year and play each other's songs, they, like a big jam on stage. Ooh. And I've got a video of, uh, of semi SOD, meaning, uh, Charlie Bonane is drumming, Scott Ian's playing guitar, Frank Bello of Anthrax is filling in for Dan Lilker, but nice. Billy, Mil Billy Milano couldn't make the show. So when they wanted to play Sergeant D in the SOD, they enlisted the vocals of Mr. Phil Anselmo. No way! Oh, it's <laughs> oh, great. Oh, my God. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, uh, and I'll make sure we get that uploaded uh, on the do. page for people to check out. But, uh, wow. yeah, and you can see it holds up live. It's uh, kind of hard to hear a little bit because... It's actually being it, it, the footage was taken from some guy's camera standing yeah. in the crowd, but the the sound quality is still good, and uh, it's just and Phil, what's to say about Phil? He's really laying it out and absolutely right. killing it, uh, and just 
a, a great, a great uh, video. So I'll make sure we get that uploaded. But it was like all my favorite things in one package. Wow. I got SOD yeah. and Phil. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> so, uh, but to watch, even there to watch Scott's hands, because uh, you get a good shot the whole way through, he really does attack it differently. And that's been key uh, in his sound uh, since the early days. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he is, he's just so amazing. Um, one of those guys that you look at and he seems to be putting forth so little effort in what he's doing, but it's just so amazing. The sound that he gets from it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you just hate those guys and you're like, <laughs> why do I even bother to try to play guitar? It's like, ah, uh, I'm never going to sound like that. Maybe uh, I can go back to school. Maybe I can become a cosmetologist. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, with my life. Yeah. I could do hair. I don't know. I could be a welder, gun repair. What is Sally Struthers trying to sell me? Uh, engine Everything. Yeah. Everything. I should do that because <laughs> yeah. Scott Ian has got this shit nailed down. Yeah, um, yeah. And he actually did. This wasn't long ago. This was at some... Um, oh, and I'm, I'm probably going to take a lot of flack for this because it was some metal awards thing just in, within the past couple months here. But it was Scott Ian on guitar. It was Phil singing. Rex came out on bass. Oh. And uh, there were a bunch of guys out there, and they did... Um, uh, this love. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, so was that Metal Masters as well? I think so. I mean, it sounds like, it, it it sounds like the same thing. It was, yeah, some some big thing came together, and it was uh, Anthrax was out there. And was there two sets of drums? Were there two kits out there? Oh, I don't remember now. I've okay. I got to pull up the video. It's actually a great, great, clear professional video up on YouTube. Nice. It. Okay. But, uh, yeah, and again, you know, Scott sounds great. Um, just sort of emulating Dime, but uh, you know all these all these greats. And again, I'm gonna just go back to Dime because that's he's been on my mind lately. And um, but uh, it's hard. Even these great great guitarists like Scott Ian, you know, other people that have tried. You know, um, as I lay dying, you know, has uh, covered Walk on a Dime tribute album and a lot of other bands and stuff. No, oh, a lot of bands love yeah. love to cover Pantera, and it's just always. I mean, it's. I think it's nice that they do because it's showing respect, but at the same time, it's like, if you, I don't know, it's, it's like, not oh. the same. It's just like there's something missing yeah. there. I mean, there, there's a way. And uh, going back to, thank you for mentioning the upstroke of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, the guitar playing, you know, even in palm muting and stuff like that. A lot of people, a lot of, you know, metal guitarists are uh, tempted to just do a lot of downstroking. And yeah. um, I, I, you're, you're going to get tired. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going to get tired. But even Dime criticized those people. He was like, man, you know, I, I see people covering um, um, Primal Concrete Sledge. Right. And it's yeah. just like. Dun, 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 dun. And he, he was just laughing about how so many guitarists that he saw covering that song were doing downstrokes for you know, that main riff, that da -dun -da -dun -da -dun -da -dun. and he's like, man, you're driving yourself crazy. He's like, I don't do downstrokes for both of those, man. And he's like, I just do down up, down up, down up for every, and, everything. And not to mention that also plays it incorrectly because granted is to say it is the same three strings and it, but it's the different order. So for right. a very brief second, you're hearing it backwards in a weird way. Right. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it's those nuances, man. And that uh, that awesome. It's the there. little things. It's the little it things is. that make an average guitarist a good guitarist or a great guitarist. It is. And I will say this since you brought up Dime. Um, you know, a, a lot of a, a lot of guitarists are assholes 
or pompous or really self-important. But oh, the yeah. beauty of beauty of Dime is you can you can look on YouTube for any of the guitar clinics he put on all over the place, and he always sat down after after a complete crowd interaction, laughing and joking, asking them what they wanted to hear, never being a prick. Always happy to sit down and talk to guys and encourage other players, guys coming up, asking him questions. You know how many times you must get asked, how do I become successful? How do I play great like you? How do I sound like you? And he was never too, never too busy or never too mighty or important to give a new, new guy advice, honest, good advice, and to not be a prick about it. And that right. really, you know, th that really says a lot. I read uh, a great story about him uh, this past week. Where uh, he was uh, doing some sort of, uh, you know, a, a, a clinic and then sort of a sit-down signing session. You know, he was signing people's stuff uh, in a store. And right. uh, so the line was going through and everything. And so, he, 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 you know, he really tried to engage with everybody that came up. You know, they weren't just another fan. He just put them through. That was just, you know, another number or whatever. I mean, he, he really tried to talk to everybody and, and find out what everyone was about. Right. And, um this kid comes up to him and asks him to sign a picture or a CD or something. And uh, Dime's like, oh, yeah. Oh. He's like, so what do you want to do? And the kid's like, well, I, I really want to play guitar like you. He's like, but, you know, I, I just I can't afford to buy a guitar right now. He's like, we just can't do it. So, But someday I hope to be just like you. And so Dime, you know, he, he sort of turns, he turns back to uh, one of the guys that's in his crew. And mm -hmm. uh, the little boy was with his father. And uh, he tells Don tells the guy in his crew, he's like, make sure that uh, this, you know, this little boy and his dad hangs around till the end because I want to talk to them again. And so, you know, they, they make sure. So the little boy and his dad, they sort of go off and they hang out until this whole signing thing is, is done. Everybody goes through and mm -hmm. and um, as they're waiting, Dime comes out, talks with the little boy again. And he's like, man, it's like, I really believe what you're doing. And he hands him a brand new guitar. Oh, and he's nice. like, man, this is on me, but I'll tell you what, the next time I see you, you better be ripping it up, man. And he just gives <laughs> this little boy a guitar that he bought right out of the store. Oh. And uh, the reason that he didn't give it to him right on the spot, you know, in front of everybody, and he waited till the end is he just, he didn't want to call him out, you know, and embarrass his dad or anything, you know, like, oh, right. you can't afford this guitar, so here you are, you know, and, and everything. Like, he was really, he, he was sensitive to that. And uh, very, very cool. Wow. That's amazing. So, and that's, yeah. That was his heart, he, man, and the kind of guy he yeah. was. Genuinely, gen and I uh, never met him, but genuinely nice guy. Everything I can see or read or hear about the guy, you, you nary will you ever hear a bad thing about uh, Daryl. Never. Absolutely. And uh, isn't it interesting, though, um, that, uh, you know, another guy that, you know, from Pantera that we both look up to is Phil. And it was a big rift between him and Dime and Vinny that uh, sort of started the whole, you know, Pantera hiatus or the end or whatever. And there were a lot of bad words and maybe misunderstood, sure. maybe miscommunicated words and things that were misconstrued by the press and taken out of context and, and this and that. And we don't really know. But, you know, it was just those kind but of I things that back and forth. I will say, and there were, I don't know if they still exist, but I there were YouTube videos of actual things being said that were kind of, that I'm sure both sides would be really embarrassed about um, in retrospect. Yeah. So w with media hype and, 
and everything else. It's it's easy to let something small get out of control. And people forget these guys live together like a family for years and years and years on the road. And they're going to be problems. Even in the greatest of bands, there are bands touring today that hate each other, but they play together for the money or for the fans. But right. but outside of the show, go separate ways and won't talk to each other. Right. You know. Um, and two uh, two great books that uh, I've read. One I'm in the middle of reading right now. Uh, as far as Pantera goes, to help people understand the dynamic that was there and maybe to get sort of an inside look. Um, I read Rex Brown's uh, book about Pantera, which is awesome. The uh, 101 Proof book. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing. But again, you have to, you know, take it from this is Rex Brown's perspective. Sure. uh, Of the band. So, you know, you you sort of look at that through, uh, you know, through what he has seen. But um, another one from uh, an outside writer is called Blacktooth Grin. Uh And it's a biography of Dime. And uh, going back, you know, to before he was uh, in Pantera and everything, you know, clear up until and I'm, I'm still I'm 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 about three quarters of the way through it, but uh, it's definitely amazing. It's filled in a lot of gaps again. You know, yeah, you got to take just all this information in and sort of evaluate it as far as perspective and things and and uh, what the source is. But man, it's uh, every everything I've read about Dime, it has been wholeheartedly unanimously uh positive you know yeah. and i think the only negative things you know it, 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 that i hear about dime is when phil sort of came out and he's like man and again i i, I don't know if it's uh, maybe how the press construed this and communicated this but phil was like oh man he it, dime's just a guy he's got to get his ass kicked at some point or something like that you know he, and i, I remember that was, video yeah. yeah i remember that video and, and I think it was just a lot of passion. Phil was on. Uh, Phil was on heroin, man. He had, sure. he had died at least once at that point. Yeah. And uh, it was just really bad for him. So, if you know you anything dis- about, you have to discount that stuff. When drugs are involved, you have to discount what people are saying. It's just it's just well, the way it is. Well, if you know anything, themselves. if you know anything about Phil, and if you've actually seen him live in Pantera in their heyday, you know, throughout the '90s, Phil said a lot. Of things that I'm sure he regretted because I mean sure. he he was just always either drunk or high or both or whatever. I mean he's one thing that uh, Phil you can be sure of is he is not going to be short of words no matter what he's doing. Can I ask a tough question? Sure. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this to you and I would say um, I would ask Phil this to his face though. Um, I think it would probably not be answered or not be answered the way I would want it to be answered. But I thought about this the other day. I was watching a great video. Um, I was watching Down's home video, uh, Diary of a Mad Band. Have you seen this? Oh, DVD? yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's, yeah. Phil's really weird. Right. So I'm, I, well, even aside from that, I'm watching as they're doing uh, Bury Me in Smoke, which is an amazing yeah. song anyway. But Phil as Phil does. And keep in mind, I am a Phil fan. I like Phil. So I, this isn't coming from a place of, uh, of whatever, of, of, of dislike or, or anything, but I really thought about it. Phil, yeah, you know what? He loves to egg the crowd on. He loves for people to scream his name. And you see every show he stops and he's making the, come on, come on, yell for me, you know, gesture. <laughs> and people go nuts. 
that's Phil and that's fine. But Phil also, in that video, for example, from Diary of a Mad Man, Bury Me in Smoke, he stops, tells the, tells the crowd to stop fucking staring at him unless they want to fucking fight, and they're going to fucking lose because he's going to kick their ass. Yes. And, and I thought about it for a second. I'm like, oh, Phil. But then I thought, you know what? Is it really smart to do that, Phil, considering that Daryl was shot dead on stage? Uh, oh, wow. Good point. And what? I mean, and I love Phil, but I'm saying at some point, is it mm. is it so important for for you to be tough? I mean, nobody doubts you're a tough guy. No one doubts that. But but to 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 say how you're going to whoop someone's ass or to do you really need to carry that that much? I don't know confrontation with you because, as we found out with with Dime, it can go south real fast. Real fast, and I just and I and I not, not to be weird, I I fear for that kind of stuff because sadly shit like that is going to happen again, and we're all going to get our hearts broke for someone else that we're going to go fuck. I wish I'd listened more. I wish I'd you know seen them more because guess what, folks, you're never going to see Pantera again. Right. Not who knows if we would have or if we wouldn't have. Who knows. Reunions are weird, but I can guarantee you we're not going to see him again. Yeah. I just and I just I just wonder is it? I mean, and Phil Phil's not an idiot. At yeah. what point? At what point do you step back and say, you know what? I can get I can get my respect and not have to challenge people because he's he's got a proven track record. He doesn't have to prove he's a badass. He he fucking kicked death's ass. Okay, you don't need to keep proving twice. It. Yeah, I'm just but it takes one. Loose cannon to fuck everything up. So I kind of worry for Phil. I don't know how often he does that. Was it just for show? Was it just for the DVD? I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's the, that's the only time I've heard that. Actually, I, I you know I've I've seen that DVD several times, and I love Down. Yeah. Um. But again, I think I think again that was Phil during a lot of his heroin day. I mean, was that not? Uh, that diary of mad. I mean, that was right before he really, really kicked the habit. I think, uh, and I think he wisened up. You know, again, so. dude, he's he's approaching fifty at this point, which is is he amazing. really? How how old is he? He is at least a decade older than me. I think when I saw him, oh man, well, he's definitely in his maybe his early forties. I'm sorry, maybe he's in his. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just trying to Let think of when uh, uh, when Pantera was big and when I saw them. He was, I think, he was 19 or 20 something uh, around like 96 when I saw them. Okay, I'm I'm looking here, and according to Wiki, which as we know can be right or wrong, um, he was born June 30th, 1968, which makes him 45. Oh well, yeah, I'm I'm close. You know, yeah, so, no, yeah you're not far off. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, not at all. So uh, he's grown up a lot, and I, I, you know, he's off the the hard drugs right now. He's not shy about you know pot and drinking and stuff right now, but that's sure. that doesn't matter. But um, you know, I, I think uh, a lot of that stuff again. He was just influenced by way too much. You watch that down DVD man, and he's just he's on another plane somewhere. You know, it's just it's it's sort of weird, but. Uh, but does Listening. anyone own the stage like he does, though? No, dude. I just it's saw crazy. him. Crazy. I just saw him like two weeks ago. I'm, I'm in jealous. In Cleveland, I... man. It was amazing. Oh my he god. Just... 
he's one of those presences where you're like, oh, jeez. Right. He commands, dude. The man can go up to stage and he just he just goes to the front of the stage, and he stands there and crosses arms on his chest, and he just looks <laughs> and he nods, and everybody yeah. goes ape shit, and he just stands there and he soaks it in, and that's I'm I'm seeing him and I'm like, I love Phil. But you know who else loves Phil? Phil. No, well, Phil loves himself. <laughs> you know, so much, and, and he he just plays on this. And I'm not saying it's good or bad or anything, but it's just, it's a good time because Phil, man, he knows, he knows that he's an ass kicker and that he it, it just he commands so much. And even going into the songs, his performance, man, everything was amazing, absolutely amazing. And he, no. he, he never, he never shortchanges the crowd. He gives a hundred percent. I can't tell you how many, and the fans know how many videos he's done where he is hoarse and can barely speak, but he will stand there and give you every bit of what voice he has. Yeah. Um, and just, and not worry about the next day. Oh yeah. Um, At the end of the show I saw, actually, I was up on the, um, uh, the second level looking down on the balcony and uh, at the end of the show, you know, lights went down and everything and all the, you know, the musicians left the stage and Phil's out there and he drops the mic and he um, sort of plops himself down on the stage and he brings over some of the security and he's like, hey, I'll sign anything you got. I'm here all night. So everybody, man, I'll sign whatever you want. I'm not leaving nice. anytime soon. And he was literally mobbed. I mean, there were... <laughs> There were a thousand people up there. So I'm up here on the balcony. I'm like, well, I'm here in Cleveland. I'm two hours from home. I could I could totally, you know, get to meet Phil tonight and have him sign something. But I'd like to get home before like sunrise. Sure. And uh, you know. So but and he's that kind of guy. He is still that kind of guy. He doesn't care. You know, it's um he he's delivering to the fans first. And it's yeah. awesome. It's so awesome. Hopefully, hopefully we'll have him on the show at some point. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure, to be honest, and, and not that I don't have any guts, folks, but I'm not sure if I would ask Phil that question on our show, because I think Ooh. that's also a question that's potential to shut the interview down and have the phone hang up. So <sighs> and I, I, I mean, not that he doesn't have the guts to answer that question, but it's an uncomfortable question. Yeah. You know, and uh, so uh, maybe at the end of the interview, I'll throw it. I'll say, hi, this is Mike, not Corey. <laughs> Not Corey at all. This is Mike. Um, so, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. But uh, okay. So before we jump totally off the heavy music shark, yes. let's let's throw let's throw some heaviest songs from different genres back and forth. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, and I would love any way we can play uh, Sergeant D and the SOD at some point early on for people who may not have heard. Because I'll tell you, probably I'm sure my son has never heard of this band. And I think it's a damn shame. Um, maybe sneak a little SOD on early on, like yeah. a montage. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's, uh, um, uh, let's see. Heaviest, heaviest song per genre. Oh, that might wow. be a bit much. Ugh. Yeah, on the spot, man. That's going to be. Yeah, that is pretty rough. Okay. Wow. Um, well. I just have random heavy songs come into my head. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, Actually, I think I I asked an, a question that needs a lot of prep, so I do apologize for that. <laughs> that is ridiculous. I'm like, so what's your favorite molecule? Go, go, go. Uh, uh. Well, no, let's put it out there to the fans and people who are listening. You know, here, what are some 
what are your heaviest songs of all time? Um, because you know, I can, I can certainly think of a lot of really, really heavy songs. Um, but what are the heaviest out there and why do you think they're the heaviest? And don't necessarily think we mean fast, but if it's heavy exactly. and fast, that's great. But I'm talking a, just a heavy song where you're like, I hear this song and I want to punch somebody. It's so aggressive. It's so heavy or, or whatever, whatever it means to you. I guess it doesn't, I'm, I'm interjecting my own feeling, but right. the heaviest song, and I don't care. I don't care if I think it's a really light, wimpy song. What do you think is, is the heaviest song you know? Exactly. Totally subjective. I want a Poison fan to tell me, look what the cat dragged in, <laughs> because it's the heaviest Poison song. But why? My God. I apologize for knowing that, but. Defend it. Defend it. Defend if you're gonna, it. Yes. Tell me why. Tell me why. And, you know, a couple more, man. I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, Pantera. I think one of their heaviest early songs from uh, Cowboys from Hell is Primal Concrete Sledge. Just that riff, man. That I mean, that is amazing. And I think, again, so much of this is uh, owed to the drum beat, uh, you know, with uh, with Vinny. Uh, yeah. Just sort of doing his double bass sort of thing in there. And, you know, would these riffs be as heavy if they were maybe done differently by some different band members? So, you know, is Scott Ian as effective without Charlie Benante? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so, because right, right. they've been together so long that they just feed off each other. Much like, uh, you know, Vinny and Dime. Right. That's the key. Be with someone so long. L let me hear your heaviest songs per band. For and this, uh, I'm Ooh, probably going to be good. argued with, but I would say, for example, and I know it's I know it's the radio friendly hit. It's the most popular, but "Sober" by Tool is a fucking heavy oh, song. Yeah. It's heavy now. Probably not. Eh, maybe not their heaviest, but that's I think most people would say. Oh, Tool. Oh, Sober. Heavy, heavy song, and it just is lyrically as well. Uh, right. Very heavy song. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, another one I have to bring up uh, from Metallica, you know, one of their heaviest. And it's not another one that, uh, you know, it's a, it's not one of their their mainstream songs. Of course, uh, you know, everybody knows it. But uh, Sad But True, another yeah. riff that I love and I think Absolutely. is so heavy. That's probably my number two Metallica heaviest riff of all time. Again, another slow one. Yeah. So is I would there say, is there some sort of deliberate slowness and oh. and something in being heavy? Do you have to sort of absorb it more than uh, you know being like a really fast thrash sort of Slayer thing or Megadeth or something? I mean, I think it has an innate heaviness to it. For example, my favorite Corrosion Conformity song, mm. um, Seven Days. Oh, it's good a song. slow. It's a slow groove. And uh, on the last episode, we talked about you and I. We're not so much lyric guys, but like I said, I've got yeah. probably ten songs that line up with me lyrically. That would be one. It's very much uh, if you if you read the lyrics for Seven Days, it to me in my mind, um, it's pretty much the same conversation I had with my father as he was dying. Wow! And so that song. I listened to it a lot when he was dying, and I, I realized that we're having this conversation of um, youth was old, the years were so unkind. Um, my father and I had a very, uh, well, fucked up relationship. 
and uh, and and the lyrics "Believe in Me" because I damn sure don't believe in you really resonated with me. So, like I said, that's one of those ten songs that you know really sticks with me. But for them, it's not their fastest. I mean, but it, it certainly the harmony was amazing. That was the first time Pepper really took over singing. He took over that whole album, Deliverance. Uh, but that song, to me, was their heaviest. Wow. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, man, about uh, those circumstances. That's. Uh... But that's the beauty of it, though. <sighs> wow. Is now, now when I hear that song, I can remember the bad times and the good, and I, 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 I don't feel, I don't know, it's weird. It's a strange feeling. But when I hear that song, it's, it's almost like um, it just... I get kind of somber, but I'm grooving with it too. So it's uh, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But the the amazing part is that the music can cross that boundary to me, right? You know, and and have that much meaning. Like when I see somebody losing their shit over a, over a Bieber song, like oh my god, just going crazy. <laughs> I'm like, that's absolute crap. But it touches that person right. somewhere deep for some reason. And metal fans, like I said, this show is we're not going to judge you. I don't give a shit if you like music I hate. If it's metal, I don't care. I'm not going to make fun of you. It means something to you. It's important to you. We are we are the castaways. We are the misfits. And we have to be one big family, even if some of our family's a little silly and fruity. It doesn't matter. We are still... Folks, we were ch- we were talking about how, how good musician Striper was last episode. Yeah. I mean, we, we can be all-encompassing, and we're not here to judge. Tell us what your favorites are. Tell us the heaviest and back it up. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. How dare I? Exactly. And thank you so much for bringing up uh, Corrosion because um, just because of my recent, uh, you know, in the past couple years of really getting into down and uh, recently just finding out that, uh, you know, Corrosion of Conformity is one of your favorite bands. Uh, it sort of sparked my interest. Uh, into this band, and uh, it's sort of zeroed in and targeted on Pepper. Yeah. Which uh, Pepper Keenan has, he, he's risen to my top five guitar, you know, rhythm guitarist of all time. Sure. Um, you know, along there with Scotty. And I mean, let's throw it out there right now oh. because I mentioned it twice. Let's do it. <clears throat> let's do it. Top five metal rhythm guitarists of all time. I've mentioned two of mine, which are uh, Scotty Ian and uh, Pepper Keenan. But uh, let's hear two of your, in no particular order. You know, let's not nope. t- try to rank the top five, but uh, okay. let's try to give just your top five sort of cloud of okay. uh, rhythm was... guitarists. Not soloists, but sure. just those, okay. those bastards that can lay it down thick. Okay, I'm going to say, ooh, this is tough, because playing guitar, I have little, see, that's a problem, um, I have little bits of things I love from many different players. And this guy does this great. This other guy does this great. So my list, I'm going to give you five, but I'm saying that it could easily be five other guys too. Okay. <laughs> I just, get it. It's yeah. so tough. Um, I would absolutely say that, yes, Pepper is in my five. Um, his, his harmony, his simple harmony, and his ear, um, I, he – I would say, if folks, go to Seven Days and listen to what him and Woody Weatherman do. The nuances, it's not so much what they're playing, but the refrain. And after the riff, the way he pulls off and how it drops down an octave and it still sounds amazing. And it fits perfect. 
Pepper is definitely in my five, as is Scott Ian as far as rhythm goes. So I'm going to copy two of yours for, for my first two. <laughs> I'm also going to add, off the top of my head, Tommy Victor from Prong. Oh, good call. Yeah. Tommy, Tommy wow. his, his off-picking, uh, he's not afraid to just be weird with his timing, and I've always loved that. Um, and you, and for, for an easy example, go to YouTube, search for uh, Whose Fist Is This Anyway? Or, um, you know, uh, or that's a great place to start. Uh, let's see, who would be the next? At some point, I'm going to have to involve, and this is an easy pick, I'm going to have to involve James Hetfield. Yeah. Um, simply because as far as that jackhammering um, downstroke, um, I think he kind of brought that into the mainstream. And like I said, I don't, I don't, as much as I think we've all agreed that James might be a little weird in, in his personal life or his, his treatment of fans, I don't think you can deny how important he's been to music. And I think he is very talented, and I'm, strictly just rhythm. And his speed and his timing is, oh, I think has always been great. Who would be my number five? Oh, boy. Uh, strictly rhythm. Strictly rhythm. Uh, oh. Uh, Corey, this is where you come up with two more of yours while I think of <laughs> right. who's going to go into my number five. It's a All bit right. Much. I'm going to give you one. Um, you know, I'm, I, I can't. I can't put Dime in this list because not only was he a great rhythm guitarist, but he did sure solos was. that were just out of this world. So while he should be in this list, I'm, I'm just going to put him outside of this because it, it's just not fair to put him uh, with these other great, just strictly rhythm guitarists. Sure. Um, but uh, somebody else that I have just loved for so many years, and he sort of went weird for a while, but I think he's, he's come back to his roots and he's, he's doing some great stuff is Dino Cazares from mm. Fear Factory. Dino. Yes. Oh my yes. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, he's back? He is. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, is he back in Fear Factory? Yeah, for... and this whole Fear Factory thing Wait is a, a big legal weirdness right what now. What happened with Christian? Is Christian still oh, in the band? He is no longer part of Fear Factory. Oh. No, no. Uh, oh, there's a new bassist. There's a new drummer. Actually, um, uh, Ray Herrera. Who was the original drummer? Is suicidal. No longer, yeah. Um, he's oh, wait, no wait, wait. Longer... No, was Ray in suicidal? <gasps> oh no! But I just answered my number five. <laughs> nice. That's all right. But no, Fear Factor. That's that's potentially a whole other episode, actually. Um, but uh, Dino, amazing, amazing rhythm guitarist. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> yeah, yeah, and. Um, uh, another one, because, of course, I'm going to mimic, uh, you know, your Scotty and your James Hetfield, your Pepper Keenan. Um, but, uh, you know, along with Dino, I have to put in uh, the Meshuga oh. uh, mastermind, Frederick Thordendahl. Yeah. Dude, yeah. he comes up with riffs, and uh, they're just amazing. You read his philosophy and the things he writes about how he does things. I, I love that guy. I love him. Um, yeah. So uh, those are sort of my uh, my other two in my top five, and again having a hard time ranking them one through right. five. But uh, has this sparked anything else? And uh, this has. Yeah. Uh, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Damn it! I need more time. No, okay. Um, you know, I I I offhandedly said. Um, 
suicidal tendencies because uh, I was thinking of Raymond Herrera. And I will say that Mike Clark from Suicidal Tendencies is an incredibly underrated rhythm guitarist. And I think that to listen to songs off of uh, Lights, Camera, Revolution, uh, the song, oh, geez, what is it? Uh, is it Get Whacked? Uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it's Get Whacked. Um, yeah, it is. If you listen to how he's playing, it's remarkable that he could make those changes and move around and be that clean. How much of it was studio? I don't know. Hmm. But I will say that yeah, phenomenal Mike Clark. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make this a havesy because Ooh. I will say whether or not you like the band, and you may not, I will say Darren Malakian from System of a Down oh, yeah. is one of the most inventive rhythm guitarists I've ever heard. Yeah, I'll he agree. Will come, he'll come at the song sideways and do a totally different rhythm than the drummer and the bassist. And, you know, and just and I'm not saying he's the greatest player. No, that's not what I'm saying. But his approach to guitar easily puts him um, among my favorites. Just his off-picking and his weird style, and it rocks no matter what he does. Whether or not you like the band, I think his his time changes, um, you have to respect. Good call. Good call. He is Wait, extremely is he, heavy. Is he, is he rhythm or lead? Oh, crap. Have uh, I got the... You know, he's pretty much both. Uh, mo mo I think more rhythm than lead. He, okay. he is more effective, I think, being rhythm than lead, which right. I think System is known for um, more than anything else. And uh, not only, you know, does he does, you know, does he do, does he does, yeah, does he do more, you know, sort of weird timings and, eh, you know, things with his riffs, but he looks weird, too. He does. That guy yeah, looks all, damn weird. Well, let's not pretend Serge Tanky and his fucking GQ material. They're all <sighs> kind of creepy looking. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you can imagine any one of them driving an ice cream truck in the seedy part of town. You could just see it happening. <laughs> yeah. But I think a lot of his oh. stuff, again, with System, man, that was very, very produced. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, he didn't release a lot of, like, raw tracks, you know, where a lot of the mistakes and maybe... You know, okay. You know, you know what? Smoothing you, over. I, I, I don't. Know. I think you're right. Let me yeah. remove him. Let me remove him. Uh, no, I think no, I'm right. not saying that. <laughs> but okay, but let's let's take this to live. I'll I'll hap I'll happily move this to Paul Landers from Ramstein. Oh man, because he <laughs> oh, wow. live and whatever he is just he is a growler. Yes. And and he he doesn't make it about himself. That's what I love about Paul. If if you you don't even know he's there. He he he's not flashy. He doesn't he he's not drawing attention to himself. He's about being heavy as fuck, and he totally is. Yes, yes. And the whole German element. I love that band so much because they're so German, and that that just that ethic that nationality i don't know what is it what is it about the german you know thing? okay it's, it's so industrial it's it's, it's industrial simple. and heavy and one word it's craftsmanship in uh, everything they do in everything they do yeah it's a great word <laughs> that is that is because they they everything they do they really care about their craft yeah you know everyone in that band cares about exactly what they're doing and it's it's they're artisans of music you know, just like 
Jeez, and he's 48. Ramstein's <laughs> getting very old, but they're still yeah. kicking ass. Oh, man. The first time I remember, I, I, I listened to Ramstein for a lot of years, but the first time I actually saw them was on uh, the Family Values Tour VHS video that I got, um, you know, probably, what, 1998 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I knew that I loved them and, and uh, just hearing a lot of their stuff and... Man, just uh, seeing them on stage, you know, after, you know, I think they performed after, you know, Ice Cube or Corn or Limp Bizkit, something. <laughs> right. But, uh, wow, just seeing them live and knowing that they deliver live, you know, just as well, if not more, you know, more better <laughs> you know, than they do on uh, their studio <laughs> I agree. albums. I know? agree. They're, live- it's, it's an amazing live show. Yeah, it, it is. And and lately, what they've been doing, uh, I've seen a lot of photos of them on a stage that's probably the size of, oh, I don't know, maybe four or five ping pong tables put together. Oh, wow. And they all stand there in one little space, and they're surrounded completely. The crowd could reach up and touch them, and uh, and they just nail it out and let everybody get really, really, really up close. And I think that's great. Oh. Wow. Yeah, and a lot of the heaviest bands maybe, uh, you know, minus Metallica and maybe Anthrax and and everything, you know, they've seen their heyday, uh, you know, especially a lot of these bands in the 90s, and sure. you know, even with Phil and everything, you know, a lot of these bands have gone from performing arena shows to, you know, going back to clubs, you know, maybe smaller sure. venues and stuff. So it's a weird sort of thing that they've uh, adapted, you know, and sort of downscaled, and a lot of them have done so well, you know, like like with Phil, really digging, I think, this sort of intimacy, um, you know, but uh, it's uh, it's sort of a weird kind of thing. I mean, how do you deal with that, man? Being a band like, like uh, I don't know, like, uh, you know, with Phil or with... Uh, well, that's easy. You know, it's easy to do because it's not it's not Pantera. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's he is he is reinvented. Well, okay, well, not even reinvented. He, the band he's now in, or well, one of many, they're they're so incredibly different. They're not playing big arenas. They don't have this giant, huge popularity. Um, I mean, there's, Phil is never going to be in a band that's going to have the same generate the same numbers Pantera did. It's just not going to happen. In fact, music isn't written, purchased, or sold that way anymore. Yeah. You know. So, uh, but now he's found a new home. And these new style of bands, Down's a great example, Superjoint, all these other bands, uh, that it's a different kind of sound. And it is a lot more intimate. It's a lot more, um, a lot more, you know, and, and that might be the whole, st- well, at least with Down, like the whole doom stoner rock kind of thing. Hmm. It's a lot more, let's hang out and make some great music yeah. and not have to run around so pumped with adrenaline and go crazy. And that, and I will say that the older a musician gets, the more his body is going to be lent to that kind of music. Yeah, you know. Yeah, which means he can, which is great because it means like him and and Pepper and all these guys can continue to have a long career, well into their fifties if they choose to. Yeah, or in the sixties, man. I mean, sure. No. The creative, the creative desire never goes away. Right. You know. Yeah, and it seems to be the lifestyle. I mean, how long you can hold out. You know, in this whole rock and roll lifestyle and how long you choose to live that and to still be creative and and I think really fruitful towards your fans and deliver, you know, on on a a regular basis and uh, just be worth it, man. Because, uh, 
Oh, we've seen so many, so many bands, so many acts, man, go by the wayside just so, you know, they've ended really badly. <laughs> the uh, beauty just is. because of this. You know. I remember seeing a video where Scott Ian was talking about Kiss because he was such a big Kiss fan as a kid. Oh, yeah. And he, and he talks about he has something called the suck rule, which if a band has been shitty, shitty longer than they were good, he doesn't buy any more of their stuff. <laughs> and sadly, I would say, well, Scott, that's why I don't own anything new from Anthrax because oh, you guys oh. have gone off the fucking rails. Not to say that every album doesn't have one or two songs that I do like because yeah. they do. But, you know, it's like at some point, uh, I really, I'm looking forward to the day when Scott and uh, branches off and just gets into something new. Um, yeah. Because as much as I love old Anthrax and even some new Anthrax, it's not the same. No. You know? Uh, and we, we, with they, what they've got, uh, um, John Bush is gone again. Uh, oh, so they have Joe. Yeah, Joey's back, jo man. Joey's back. <laughs> and sounding old. <laughs> of course. Well, they are. They are old. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... and that's not a bad thing, but it's just I don't know. I don't I don't want Anthrax to come out with another State of Euphoria. I love that album, but I don't want to hear another one. I want them to to move on musically, um, yeah. as I want all my bands to do. Oh, they've been stuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I love them, but they've been stuck. Yeah. But it just cracks me up to hear SOD and go. <laughs> you guys have the potential to be so fucking heavy. Uh, and did they never really flush that out? Now, now I wonder was that because. Of Belladonna. Mm, well. Are these songs that they... Well, you know, okay, clearly. I don't think Joey could have sung on those songs. No, absolutely not. I no. mean, so maybe, maybe they were kind of restrained as of what they could do. Billy Milano could barely sing on those songs even when they recorded <laughs> them. So it's it's not like you can go out and make a career behind Billy Milano. Right. Um, right. Who might be the largest man in heavy metal. Just maybe. saying, I'm not really sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. perhaps. But, um, oh. But this was a great thing to bring up, Mike, and uh, I'm I'm so happy that you uh, surprised me with this and challenged me. God, this, you just man. fucking grabbed it and beat the shit out of it. You're and great. I, you didn't you, no, didn't, you I, didn't pause. You're like, I asked the question. You're like, I've got two right now. I'm like, really? That's amazing. I mean, well, I barely finished, and you were already picking it up. Then for Folks, the next hour, let's take it somewhere good. completely different. Let's say, well, you know. But it was a but this this is the same conversation we had before we did this show. You know, we right, would sit around right. and have these these kind of chats. So uh, this is great. This is fun for me. I, I really enjoyed this tonight. I am not so that happy. I enjoy a regular show because I do. But, yes, uh, I do as great. well, man. But uh, thank you for uh, just hanging out tonight and talking about great music, man. Great metal, because SOD so underrated for uh, so many things. Uh, their influence and uh, where Scotty and and Benante were at that point in time as relating to anthrax and what that whole dynamic was. I mean, the eighties, dude, the eighties were friggin' amazing. There were so yeah. many things going on. Um, and, uh, man, thank you for taking me back because right now, as soon as we're done, man, I'm putting that back in. Nice. And I'm listening to that and I, I, I just can't wait. What I what I love especially is this was used as the a lot of SOD was used as the bumper music for Headbangers Ball. Yes. And it always cracked me up that the bumper music was always heavier than anything they played on the show. <laughs> it just cracked me up. It was like, here's SOD, and now we're going to a trickster video. And then kiss uh Heaven's on Fire. Then we're gonna come uh. back with the beginning of uh, Milano Maj. Then we're gonna play some White Snake. It's like this, this But here's why you're listening, it's for our bumper. Exactly. 
I love it. I love it, man. But uh, yeah, I mean, there are definitely some great, great things going on, you know, with side projects. And I think, I think a great episode, uh, you know, coming up here might be the greatest side projects of all time because they're they're like you know and we've mentioned a lot tonight but there are more out there for sure There's so many we didn't mention that are just phenomenal yeah yeah and uh so that that might be something but uh you know again we've missed nick because i'm sure nick has a lot to say about this and he's you know just uh uh, a huge huge asset to the show but uh we miss you nick and uh he's gonna be on again next episode god willing so I got I this whole so. yeah, I got this whole God thing going on since uh <laughs> my last episode, man. I'm you know, really being That's serious all right. about it. It's all right. It's all right. I'm praying for you guys. Oh oh Jesus. <laughs> oh Jesus, no. Oh please, sweet baby black Jesus, don't uh, let this happen to me. <laughs> oh, I'm crossing myself right now. Oh uh, no. Hell Mary, Mother of God. The power right. of Christ compels you. The power uh, of Christ compels you. This has been the devil horns, and if you want to hear this ridiculousness again. Go to devilhorns.org. We have shows out twice a month, if not even more often, if you're lucky or unlucky. Sneak them in on but, We're going to uh, sneak them in. Yeah, we will. But, Mike, it's been amazing again tonight. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Ah, all right. Well, thank you all for listening. Good night. Good night.